This is stupid. You're dumb. You don't love me. Try that again. One more time. I'll leave. I love you. I'm here for you. Is there anything I can do for you? I forgive you. I'm sorry. Some words cut like a knife, and some words bring healing and joy. You've probably said both types of words. You've probably been on the receiving end of both types of words. We're up to James chapter 3 and into 4 this morning, and we are on fragile ground because James zeroes in on our words, on our tongues. And where James takes us can pick at scabs that we thought were healed. It can reopen old wounds. It can remind us of past failures. James's letter, remember, he has uh, written it to Christians to help us to persevere in our faith. That as we face various temptations to sin, James writes to teach us how to not give in to our desires and instead to keep living with our faith in Christ. And the temptation that he's dealing with in our chapters this morning is the temptation to use our tongues to hurt others. The way he does it, uh, you can see it on your outline, James first looks at the problem of the tongue. He then shows us that the real problem is not actually our tongues, but our hearts before we get to the end of chapter 4 and we see James's answer. So let's have a look at, first at the problem of the tongue, the temptation to sin with our words. And first up, James tells us that the problem of the tongue is something that we all face. Uh, being tempted to sin by the way we use our words, that affects us all. Look at it there, chapter 3 and verse 1. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. If anyone's never at fault with what he says, there goes your perfect man. Trouble is, that man doesn't exist, nor that woman. Sadly, we all trip up with our tongues, as he says there. We all stumble in many ways, or in verse 8, James will say, no man can tame the tongue. There are some sins that I struggle with that you might not. But the the tongue, that's a common struggle for us all. Who hasn't said things that they wish they could take back? Which is why James starts this section by saying, not many of you should presume to be teachers. To be a teacher is to be recognised as being responsible for speaking the truth of God. But when our tongues are so wild, well, that responsibility should be taken carefully. Because the tongue is very powerful. That's James's point in verses 3 to 12. The tongue may be small, but it packs a huge punch. Pick it up now in chapter 3 and verse 4. Verse 4, take ships as an example. Although they're so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, 
The tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Sadly, we don't need any reminding, do we, of what a great fire can be set ablaze by a small spark. Just in the last couple of days in New South Wales, we have three dead and more than 150 homes destroyed by fires ablaze. And all it takes is one small spark. And that spark, that spark can turn into thousands of hectares of flames suffocating and devouring whole countrysides. The power of a spark is way out of proportion to its size. That's the tongue. It might be small, but it has so much power. Words like, I never loved you. You are such a disappointment. You're useless. I hate you. I never want to see you again. Our tongues have the power to tear people to shreds, to rip into our hearts as if we're having surgery without anaesthetic. But not only can our words powerfully tear others apart, our words can destroy our very selves. Our tongues can lead us away from Christ and into hell. Look at it now in verse 6. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. It's graphic imagery, isn't it? The tongue as a world of evil, infecting the rest of the body with its corruption, singeing and scorching our whole persons until it is itself burned in the fiery pits of hell. Now remember, James wrote this letter to help us to persevere in our faith in Christ, to keep going as those who are trusting in Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. And he's being very clear, the temptation to sin with our tongues can take us away from Christ. Like the rudder steers the ship, your tongue steers you, and it can lead you away from the Lord Jesus. We've got to take this very seriously because the tongue is very powerful. So much so that even when we get it right with our tongues, in the very next breath we can find ourselves getting it wrong again. Verse 9, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse men who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. You can't get both fresh water and salt water out of a salt spring and you shouldn't be able to get both the praise of God and the cursing of men from the same mouth. Okay, we got it so far? The clear teaching that the, our tongues are powerful, they can destroy people both others and ourselves. And so clearly as Christians, we are meant to use our tongues in ways that help us keep following Jesus. Which all raises some pretty tough questions for us, doesn't it? How is it then Christians can talk about all of this when we all know of Christians who've done the opposite of what's being spoken about here? You probably know Christians who have stabbed people in the back with their words. 
said some really nasty, hurtful things. Maybe those words have even been said to you. You've been on the end of a Christian using their words with venom directed at you. Friends, I'm very sorry if that has happened. And I'm hoping that you can see from what we're reading that Jesus doesn't want his people to live like that. He doesn't want his people to talk like that. The Lord Jesus doesn't want his people to treat others like that. And so for those of us here who do have our faith in Christ and we want to keep our faith in Christ instead of giving in to our sinful desires when it comes to our words, what what are we to do? Do we walk around biting our tongues? Might make it hard for me to finish this sermon if I've got to do that all the time. Should we all go out, maybe Maybe we go down to Pet Barn and buy ourselves a muzzle? Maybe we should just sew our lips together. You know, what do we do? Well, according to James, to do any of that would be a very superficial reading of what's happening. Because sure, our tongues can be a problem, but the real problem's in our hearts. The things we say, the things we do, they are just a reflection of what's going on in our hearts. James talks about this in general from verse 13, and then he's going to apply it specifically to our tongues in chapter 4. So look at it there in verse 13, where the way we live springs out of what's in our hearts. Okay, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. See, a humble heart filled with the wisdom of God, that's what produces a life of good deeds. But the opposite is also true. A heart filled with envy and selfish ambition produces a life of evil and chaos. Verse 14. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Verse 16, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Hearts harbouring envy and selfish ambition produce every kind of evil practice and disorder. Our actions come from our hearts. That's the principle. And in chapter 4, James now applies that to our tongues because what we say also comes from our hearts. If my tongue is a window into my heart, what are my words showing about my heart? Well, sadly, for James's original readers, their words showed that their hearts were filled with deeply selfish desires. Chapter 4 and verse 1. Chapter 4, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? See, they're using their tongues to rip into each other. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Their quarrelling and fighting is coming from their desires raging within them. And what do they desire? Simply that they get what they want. Verse 2. You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. 
Their hearts are filled with the selfish desire to get what they want. That's why they're using their words as weapons. And James continues to highlight their selfishness. Halfway through verse 2, you do not have because you do not ask. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. James's original readers just wanted things for their own pleasures. They had given themselves to this world running after its pleasures and so their hearts were now filled with envy and selfish ambition which led to their tongues being riddled with quarreling and fighting as they desperately tried to get what they want and it had all led to them betraying their god verse 4 you adulterous people don't you know Friendship with the world is hatred toward God. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Like jumping into bed with someone who's not your husband or wife. That's what it is to God when we give ourselves to the longings of the things of this world for our own pleasures. Can you see how the verses are working? The particular temptation that James is dealing with in these chapters is the temptation, the desire to get what you want. And the sin that this desire is giving birth to is the sin of quarrelling and fighting, using your tongue, your words in ways that tear others apart as you try and get what you want. The words we use are a reflection of what's going on in our hearts. What are your words showing about your heart? For the original readers, what their hearts wanted was to get their money to spend on themselves. That's what led them into quarrelling and fighting. But the desire to get what we want can spill over into words of war no matter what the thing is that we're trying to get for ourselves. Surely... You are no different to me. Surely, just like me, you have found yourself trying to get what you want and your words came out with their guns at the ready and you've given the order to fire. It can happen at work. So your colleague misses a deadline and you're a bit sick of them doing this. You know, they've done this before. And what you want is for them to know that you're tired of their unreliability. And so you make a few snide remarks about their usual tardiness. Well, I guess we'll be submitting this late. Again. It happens on the sporting field, even as you're playing touch footy uh, uh, with the mob on a Friday night out here, or it might be on your Saturday sport. When an opposing player makes a mistake, what you want is to let them know how hopeless they are and you feel the temptation to rub it in. So you do. It happens in our homes. It could be a flatmate, a parent, a sibling, a child. Maybe it's a child not doing what they're told and what you want is for them to do what you say. It can be your parents running late 
to get ready and what you want is to leave and to go. It can be your brother or your sister keeping on talking to you and asking you questions and what you want is to be left alone. It can be your flatmate not doing their responsibilities and what you want is a tidy house. And we use our words to try and get what we want. It can be when someone else simply has an idea that you think is silly. Could be an idea about how things ought to be done. You think the idea is stupid. And so what you want is for that idea to get dumped. So you don't ask them the merits of their idea. You just let them know how dumb their idea is. Friends, think back to the last time where you used your words to try and get what you want. Wanting to get someone to do something. Wanting to get something out of someone. Wanting to let your feelings known. A time where you wanted to get what you want and you used your words as weapons. And you went to war with your tongue. It happens to us all. Our words are meant to be peace-loving, considerate. They are meant to be submissive and full of mercy, impartial and sincere, and yet our words fail us. And we are grieved when they do. And so what's the answer? Because as believers in Jesus Christ, we don't want to use our tongues to tear others down. We want to use our words to serve Christ, not ourselves. We look to the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. We look to him to save us out of a life of sin. And so we look to his word to know how to live, including how to speak. And so what's the answer? How do we deal with our tongues? Well, according to James, our hearts are the answer. Our hearts are the problem, and so the solution is to address our hearts. So that instead of wanting things for ourselves, instead of trying to get what we want, we want God. We are coming to him. We're pursuing him instead of pursuing our desires. The answer is genuine repentance of our hearts. Chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come near to God and he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. If you're having trouble with your tongue, James says, dig deeper, reach further, and go to the source of your problem, purify your heart, he says. Grieve over your heart, chasing after its own desires. Weep over your own selfish attempts to get what you want. Mourn over your words used as weapons for selfish gain and turn to your God. Humble yourself before him. 
Come before him in repentance. Submit yourself to God. Meekly draw near to him. Not in arrogance or pride, but in the confession of your sin. Open your heart to him. Be honest with him. Come near to him and he will come near to you. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Because your God loves to give grace. He loves to restore. He loves to forgive. He loves to come near to you. And in your newness of heart, as the Lord lifts you up in his love and in his forgiveness, in your newness of heart, long for the things of God. Delight in him. Be satisfied in him. Want your God. There's lots in these chapters about the use of our tongues and about how we're to use our words. But in the end, it's actually an issue of our hearts. So I'm not going to finish this talk with a bunch of to-dos. I'm not going to give you a list of to-dos that you can, you know, do these 10 things and you'll keep your tongue in check because ultimately it's actually about our hearts. Your tongue is just a window into your heart. Our words come from what's going on inside of us. And so if your heart is right before God, well, your tongue will just fall into line. And so let's turn to our God. Let's come near to him. Let's be the people who genuinely want him, submitting to his love and to his grace and to his power because his promise is that all who humble themselves before him, he will lift them up. All who come near to him, he will come near to them. So brothers and sisters, come near to your God and he will come near to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we admit to you our struggles and our sin with our tongue. And we are grieved. And we ask for your forgiveness. And Father, we ask for hearts that love you, that delight in you, that are humble before you, that are satisfied in you, that Father, we would no longer want for ourselves, but we would simply want you. And so Father, you having captured our hearts, you'll have also changed our tongues. And Father, we ask this, that we might keep our faith in Christ and bring him glory and honour in all that we say and in all that we do. Amen.